Pastor Robert, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Hey, awesome. Good to be with you. Well, you're one of the greatest missionaries of our time, one of the uh, biggest influencers in our world, one of the greatest thinkers, have one of the greatest minds. You and your wife, Karen, founded Community Vida in 1988 in Lima, Peru. Walk us through following God into the unknown. From You spent more time now outside of the United States than you have living in there, so walk us through taking your family. Uh, first of all, about that first part, the greatest missionaries of all time, um, I don't think we're even close, but I appreciate the honor and your, uh, your heart with that. Uh, as far as the church, um, yeah, we have spent more time now out of the U.S. than in the U.S. 37 years, we landed in Peru in 1983. So we started the church in 88, but we were here five years before that, planting churches and working in the mountains and the jungles of Peru. Um, and from there, it's just, we're thankful. We're thankful for the country that's adopted us and thankful that we get to do God's work in this beautiful country. Amen. Amen. What's um, you... So you said, you know, now 37 years outside of the country. And so you have a unique perspective and of America's being living in America now, 37 years outside of America. Would you speak into the current state of America as you've seen social media and the news, the injustice and the racism? And what would you speak, a word, a word of hope for us? What, what word of encouragement would you speak to us regarding oh that? My, um, right now, the church is the hope of the world. And the church cannot lose her voice in this moment. Uh, we need the church now more than ever. It is essential. Where it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know there's no COVID in heaven, but there's also no racism in heaven. Uh, the Bible says that before the throne, all nations worshiped in one place. And that's God's will, that's God's heart. And he wants that to happen here on earth. That will be done on earth. So what's my feeling on it? Um, we need missionaries like never before. Missionaries are basically cross-cultural translators. Uh, it's not easy to get into somebody's world especially other people that aren't like us. When I came to Peru, I didn't come to Peru to start an English-speaking church. I came to bury myself in the Peruvian culture, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to learn the language and to understand what they're talking about. When they say this, um, I now understand it after spending my whole life here and my kids growing up here, we can under, when we are cultural translators. When somebody says this, we know what they're saying. And to somebody who just is tourism through the country, they might not understand what's really being said. It takes time to be a cultural translator. It's uncomfortable to learn somebody that's different. But my God, we need some cultural translators now in the United States people that will take the time not to criticize or to shout at the other side, but to say, hey, help me to understand what I don't know, because I don't know what I don't know. And uh, 
I think as that happens and as the conversations from what I hear are happening, I believe that the greatest days of the church are yet to happen. Amen. Well, let's pause right now. And I'm just going to ask if you would pray, pray for that. We, we, we want to see unity um, and we, we want to stand up, speak up, step up. And I believe that starts with prayer. And so would you, would you pray for us, Pastor? Yeah, Heavenly Father, you said that if your people that are called by your name would humble themselves and pray, humbling, taking out that, that proud look, that arrogance of feeling superior, they would humble themselves and pray and seek your face. You're not going to hide yourself from us, God, if we seek your face. But then you said if they would turn from their ways, sometimes that turning is painful because we just want to get past the pain. But Lord, help us to sit in the pain a little while longer. Help us to stand here so the change that happens on the other side is permanent. It's lasting. It's real. It's once and for all. God, if we would turn, change, repent, and move forward, if you would reform your church for the errors we've committed in the past and understand that we are all one, one under God. There's no difference. We thank you for that. Help us to be part of that. Because you said if we do all that, you will heal the land. God, we don't ask for healing. We ask for change that will bring the healing. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Robert. Um, you, you work very closely with your two children in ministry. Uh, tell us what that means to you and, and tell us how that came to be, especially now in a time where you see pastors sacrificing family for ministry. You're able mm -hmm. to have such a close relationship with your children in ministry. I know that means so much to you. Would you speak to that? Yeah, my God, my God, never sacrifice your family for the ministry. Uh, really, family's got to come first. We love our kids. And that we have the privilege and the honor to be able to do life together and work together. Uh, Taylor, my son, he's one of our executive pastors. I'm his pastor. I'm his dad, but he's my best friend. Uh, and we love that we get to do work together. My daughter is just an amazing woman of God, her husband, the families. I've got all my grandkids in church, and there's nothing better. I believe a healthy church is not a, an elderly church with no youth, or it's not a youthful church. It's a generational church, where as a generation, we can come together and work together uh, generationally. And that means for somebody of my generation, to be able to impart wisdom in the next generation, but to give them the platform and the freedom. Like I said, we need cultural translators. We also need generational translators. Uh, you know, the ones that can help me understand the youth today. And my kids are the ones to do that. So yeah, we love church. We love doing it as a family. We're thankful that it worked out that way. Amen. Well, um, 
what what were some of the keys to guarding your family time and you know uh, you have ministry campuses outreach we'll get into that in just a moment so how were you able to guard your family times your family dinners were you always good at it and what were some of the keys to learning oh my god no um when my first five years, I mentioned I was five years in Peru before we started our church. And I was working in another mission, another church. It was very kind of old school Pentecostal, uh, very rigid, you know. And they had the philosophy that you sacrifice your family for the church. You sacrifice your family for ministry. And because they had that um philosophy of sacrificing yourself. Uh, I, I was taught, if it's not your boat, don't change the compass. And it wasn't my boat. So uh, we sacrificed our family. They literally um, sent me to the, hold on a second, I gotta send a text to my wife. Karen. <laughs> Hold on, somebody's knocking on my back door. So, uh, can you open the door? Open. That door. <laughs> open this door. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. Uh, it was. <laughs> we were taught if you could, you know, it wasn't your boat. Don't change the compass. So I obeyed. I submitted, and it was a church. We planted churches. I planted about 80 churches in the first five years I was in Peru. And during that time, uh, they would send me to the jungle for three weeks. I'd come back for a week. And then they would send me to the mountains for two weeks, and I'd come back for a few days. Then they'd send me up the coast for, and then back for a couple more days. And they just kept uh, sending me out to plant churches and strengthen churches, which was a good thing. But I do not remember the first five years of my kid's life in Peru. And it wasn't until a, an older pastor came to me and basically said, you're going to lose your family. Stop it. You need to have a family day. You need to have separate the time. And I still remember when they came to us and they said to me that, um, you know, I, I told them the mission I was with, you know, the pastors that I submit myself to say, I need to take a day a week off. And that day you cannot have, this is for my family. Oh, they didn't like it. They did not like it. They went up, but uh, thankfully my leadership and the covering that was over me at that time, give me that counsel. Some of the best counsel I ever had. Well, that's and we took that week I mean, that, that one day made it holy to our family. Amen. And it was a blessing. You speak of covering and you speak of your mentors a lot uh, throughout the messages that you preach. And uh, I love the little one liners and the little things that they tell you that you, you always share. What were some of the other things that you remember your mentors telling you? Just the one little sayings that would help somebody else in ministry. Oh, gosh, there's so many. Um, you know, I, it depends on the mentors. Edwin Luis Cole, you know, if a man's too big to speak in a small place, he's too small to speak in a big platform. Uh, you know, if you can't say it in 30 minutes, then you haven't prepared. Wow. 
Um, John Maxwell, who is my mentor now, has taught me so much. You know, I remember the first time I met John Maxwell, here's this leadership guru, and I asked him one, my very first time I asked him, I said, um, how, do you, uh, how do you plan for the future? How, you know, you're supposed to have short-term plans, you know, long-term plans, and, and how do you plan for the future? And his answer to me was, I don't, I don't believe in it. And I thought, here's John Maxwell, and everybody else is telling me you need to have, you know, short-term, mid-term, long-term uh, preparation and plans. And he says, I don't believe in it. And he goes, let me explain. He says, if I, I could have never dreamed that I would be where I'm at today. In fact, if somebody would have asked me to plan my life, I would have never dream that God would take me here. And he said, the problem is, is most people set a vision, a goal. And that's the word I was looking for, a goal. He says, most people set a goal. And once they reach it, they say, oh, I've arrived. And they relax instead of seeing how far God can take you. So he said, I don't set goals in my life. I have only one goal. That's to be obedient to God every day. That's hard enough. That's my only goal. And let's just see where God will take this. So that's one of the key uh, uh, moments in our life. Don't set goals. Just be obedient today. That's a game changer right there. It'll change the way you think. You're, you're not only one of the greatest missionaries, and we honor you, but you're a great storyteller. Uh, you have a number of stories, the fish story. You know, you have the one million wheelchair story when you took that trip and you blessed a little girl. Uh, floor with uh, the wheelchair. You also have a Kino Mas story. Um, when you, <laughs> you have so many stories. I wonder if you would just share one of them real fast with us. What one story would you want to share with everybody that may encourage somebody today? Oh my gosh. Um, sounds like you know all my stories. <laughs> um, just because you were talking about family for some reason, a memory came into my mind about the family during that time where we were making family time. And it's funny because, you know, we love now family tradition, creating memories for the kids and the grandkids now. But uh, in the early days, we could never have a day on the day. Like Thanksgiving was never on Thanksgiving Thursday. It was whenever we could do it. And for years, we actually couldn't do it. But, you know, when we finally decided to take a family day, we wanted to do Thanksgiving. And it was funny because a pastor came in. And I still don't know how the pastor's wife came to Peru and brought a frozen turkey with her. I don't know how she got up through customs. But she brought that turkey in. And I thought, okay, praise God, I've got my turkey for Thanksgiving. Uh, so we prepared, it was on a Monday, one of our Mondays, that was our family day. And, you know, somebody had sent me a, the old DHS tape of a charger football game and we were going to watch football on Thanksgiving and do our little family tradition, just the four of us. And I, st <laughs> you know, we did it all. We did the mashed potatoes and the gravy and the turkey and watched the football game, sat everything at the table, got it all ready prayed the prayer, and then the phone rang. And 
I answered the phone and it was a young girl in the church who had just attempted committed suicide. She cut her wrists and I needed, I knew I needed to get over to her house right now. She didn't call anybody else. She called us as her pastors. And here I got that turkey sitting down there. I've got the mashed potatoes, my kids, my wife. And I just said, I gotta go. I'm sorry, I gotta go. This girl has cut her wrist and I gotta get out there. So I called another pastor, grabbed him, drove over to her house, got her bandaged up, got her over to the hospital. And after several hours, got her back home. And by that time, her parents came home. And they were so thankful that we had done to help their daughter. And we'd been praying with her, and she was crying and repentant. And, and they were so thankful. They just said, you know, that Latin, just generosity. They said, hold on a minute. And they went in the kitchen and prepared a meal, ceviche. Now, ceviche is raw fish. I'm allergic to fish. If I eat fish, if I, eat fish I vomit blood. But they prepared me this ceviche. And here I got this turkey and mashed potatoes sitting at my house. And they brought me this ceviche. Well, I just thought, okay, close your eyes, hold your nose, get it down. I ate it quickly. And they thought because I ate it quickly, oh, you like it. They came out with the second plate. And by the time I finally left that house, the allergies from the fish were kicking in. I was sick. I got home. We never did get to have that turkey dinner, but we saved a young girl's life. So uh, since then, we trained up a team. If that ever happens again, and it's that day, I got a team that'll go out there and take care of those things. But that's just ministry. And I don't know why the memory came back when you when you were talking about family, that was one of the family memories. So. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I want to honor your time. Thank you so much for your wisdom and your heart. Thank you so much for your example and your love. We honor you. Well, thank you.